0: Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sharefire Local. Over 50,000 people have listened to Mark's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's designed to help you take your business to the next level. What I try to do is take different topics, interview different thought leaders about remodeling issues that really give you a chance to reflect, give you a chance to really think about, not just do the business. This podcast series is supported by professional remodelers, as well as the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. And I want to thank certainly our producers, Surefire Local, for putting this together. Today, I want to talk about a topic that is one that oftentimes I think we don't appreciate and really think about. And that is, you know, what is that process? What are those critical points in the process that really are are so important to get right? Many years ago, I heard the term moments of truth. And as I reflected on that, it really is about what are those points? What are those moments that you have to get right? And I think for those that kind of are dealing with the complexity of business and complexity of remodeling today, it's very three-dimensional. It's not necessarily linear. And therefore, I think the more that you can try to simplify it for yourself, your business, and certainly for your client, the better. So this whole theme of moments of truth, I think, helps you to do that. So I'm going to actually use as an example, walking you through a traditional or design build remodeling process that has a series of moments of truth. I'm going to talk about 12 moments of truth, 12 points on that line, 12 times when the bell, so to speak, rings that you have to get right. And I think if you can overlay this thought process into your business, starting from the conception when the client first contacts you to the follow-up at the very end, and what are those critical moments, what are those points that you have to get right? Now, for those companies that do this, you're going to be able to focus and really master and make those world-class points in terms of client interaction. And once you do that, all the gaps in between those will tend to fit together much more uh, comfortably and more effectively. So like I said, whether you're a specialty remodeler doing roofing, siding, or certainly Windows, or whether you're a full-service remodeler doing traditional remodeling or doing design-build remodeling, this at least theme and concept applies. So what I would encourage is for you to, as you listen to this, pass this podcast or pass this recording on to other members of your team, and then try to overlay your own moments of truth, and then work on each moment to make it better and better, and that's, I think, where you're going to see the level of effectiveness, profitability, and certainly client experience improving. So the first moment of truth, I think, when it comes to the actual client-facing remodeling process is when the client contacts you. Now, needless to say, you have to have a process in terms of what you discuss, The person doing that interaction has to be very friendly, but also knowledgeable and helpful in terms of the process. Now, today, more than anything, speed is really critical. Time really does kill deals. So you have to be able to respond very quickly to the client, but also set the stage for an expectation for a great experience. Now, you need the right processes. You need the right training. You need the right forms to be able to do that. What information you gather or don't gather is really critical. The length of time that that conversation needs to be, needs to be as as well thought through as possible. The second moment of truth is when you actually, the designer or the salesperson, actually contacts that client. Now, I generally encourage, at least in design-build remodeling, that that call be a fairly lengthy call. Now, that lengthy call is not necessarily what the client expects, but that's what's critical, I think, for that call, being 20 or 30 minutes long, to really be the first appointment. Now, in that first appointment, you want to obviously walk through what the scope of work is, but you also want to establish a relationship with the client and begin to separate yourself from the competition in terms of what the client experience is. You also might need to touch on things that relate to the economics or the budgeting on the project. You might want to walk them through what the process and at least get buy-in. You want to talk about priorities of the different decision makers and parties involved. And I think today more than ever, because homeowners are very time-starved, You've got to become masterful at that moment of truth of that first contact that your designer, your salesperson is going to have. The next moment of truth, number three, is the in-home visit. Now, that in-home visit should be very natural and flowing, but it also should be relatively scripted. In other words, have a process that has multiple steps to it. The process that I've certainly developed and used to is a nine step process. And it's very, very, uh, uh, very much of a process that you can master. And after you master it, you can follow it. And you know, for example, always what you've discussed with the client and the flow that you've gone through, because it's the same thing. Again, that moment of truth is having a world class in home meeting. The next moment of truth. With many remodeling groups is when you actually bring them into the office to kind of experience you and make a decision whether they're going to want to proceed with you. Now, there's many different processes with at least design, build and remodeling firms, whether it's a two-step or three-step design, build process, but generally, there's a next step. Now, you want that to be a great impression because at the end of the day, what's happening is you're building, building on the relationship. And people, whether it's from you or the company, their decision to move forward with remodeling is in large part going to be how they feel about that experience itself. So that in-home visit might be your moment of truth. The next moment of truth is in fact going to be, let's say, the design presentation. Design presentation, again, needs to be very carefully choreographed, You need to set the stage, you need to control the conversation, but you also need to have it loose enough so that the client has an opportunity to really interact and experience. At the end of the day, you want to keep it as simple, but also as complete as possible. And if you do that and then take them through a very methodical agenda and structure, you're going to see probably not only a good impression, but the outcome that you really want. Once the client proceeds with that design, your next moment of truth might be what we call, sometimes the preliminary walkthrough on the, on the job. That's when you're starting to weave in some of your other team members, some of your other experts, HVAC, uh, some of the uh, other technical experts into the remodeling process. Again, this is something should be very efficient. It should be very effective. It should be choreographed in such a way so that the client really gets a great experience, they realize the efficiency, the professionalism, and they really appreciate the fact that they've made the decision and they have the reassurance of making that decision to be able to proceed with you. The next is the actual contract presentation. Now, there's a lot of different ways to present a construction contract with the final plans and all the details, but again, what you have to realize The client is making a decision in large part because of their comfort, but they have anxiety and they have fears. So this process needs to be tightened up and well thought through. And by doing that, you're going to get that one or two out of 10 that might push the pause button because it wasn't as effective. The next moment of truth I've listed in the 12 moments of truth is the pre-construction walkthrough. Now, the pre-construction walkthrough is oftentimes when you're passing the baton into production. It's really critical that that walkthrough, again, is not only scripted, but all the right people are there. It's very efficient in terms of the amount of time. You actually may have a checklist and even something the client signs off on that they've actually experienced the pre-construction walkthrough in the process. It creates the right level of accountability, I think, certainly for the owner. And you have the first, day of construction. I think that's a moment of truth. You only have one chance to make a good first impression. And if you come in controlling that, setting up the job, treating it like their home, not just a construction site, having the right level of communication, the right level of activity going on, but also really leave an impression that you've got it, you're in charge, you're running this thing very, very effectively. That's, again, a moment of truth. Now, as you march along through the construction, the next moment of truth I would encourage you to think about is where you're about to close in, the electrical walkthrough. Uh, That's the point at which you might want to gather more of the key stakeholders involved, walk through everything, make whatever adjustments, make this part of your process. But make it something that leaves a great first impression, document any adjustments and changes at that point. And again, I think that's a great moment of truth. Then at the end of the project, what I encourage is having what I call more the substantial completion walkthrough. Now, things are going to drift on in terms of little loose ends. But what you have to have is you have to have a point in time where you and the client agree that they can utilize the work as as it was intended. So you do a substantial completion walkthrough. You have the right people there. You document this. You have a payment procedure that's going to be involved. And again, they want to know that you're going to be there to take care of these loose ends. So there's got to be maybe some financial incentive to be able to do that. The last of the 12 moments of truth that I wanted to outline today is the follow-up. Now, the follow-up, I think, is probably where a lot of companies run short. You're kind of exhausted with each other, and therefore you, you run short. Now, whether this follow-up is 30 days or 60 days or 90 days after the project is complete, it is important to leave that really, really good impression and have a consistent way that you do a follow-up. That follow-up is going to generate good reviews. That follow-up is going to generate personal referrals. That's where oftentimes the memories are made, and you can't become a stranger, certainly with those clients. So in summary of this particular podcast topics, the more that you can take your process and you can actually draw a line and document, what do you think these moments of truth? Because I just walked you through the complete design-build process in 12 moments of truth. You might have seven or you might have 20. It doesn't matter. But if you can focus on each of the points on the line, then the likelihood for mastery, get better, see better client kind of satisfaction is, as well as profitability is certainly going to increase. So, again, I want to thank everybody for listening to me, to me today, as well as stay tuned. We have a great uh, interview with one of our thought leaders coming up here shortly, and I'll speak to you soon. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery, but just as much I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Modeling Industry, (NARI) is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly, reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that'll be able to help you with your business.
2: Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. And this is the portion of Remodeling Mastery that is where you really, I think, can take away some very specific insights where I bring on a thought leader, a thought leader either that's out there doing the remodeling as a a remodeler, home improvement contractor, or, you know, we bring on, Kermit Baker or Erica Taylor as, you know, kind of that ear to the ground of what's happening from an economist or certainly an editor's point of view. But also, I'd like to bring on experts, experts that can really help you understand, help break down maybe some misconceptions that you might have with sectors of the industry or tools within your business that you ought to consider. And that's really what we're going to be talking about next here with my special guest who's actually down at the headquarters of Service Finance, Dave Anderson, who's the Senior Vice President with Service Finance. And he's actually come on board to really share, I think, some insights on a topic that uh, I find especially interesting. Uh, As you've heard, certainly, Uh, in many of the things I talk about of the two main verticals, the home improvement specialty vertical and the full-service design build verticals. And one of the basic differences between what the home improvement and the specialty verticals have, many of them have uh, mastered in their business, which you should consider it, is in fact integrating financing into their experience with a client just like they do their knowledge of products and certainly services. So, Dave, welcome to uh, Remodeling Mastery, and I appreciate you taking the time uh, to speak to us today.
0: Well, thank you, Mark. I'm happy to be here.
2: Great. So, why don't, as we kind of tee this up, uh, why don't we begin with sharing a little bit more of your kind of journey and path in consumer financing uh, that has that you know, brought you to certainly being uh, you know uh, executive with one of the leading service finance uh, group, groups out there.
0: Well, f- fabulous. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I got started in the uh, financing space a little over 30 years ago uh, in direct lending where I made my own loans. Service my own loans for a uh, a national uh, finance provider, and about uh, twenty years ago, I got recruited to come on board into the home improvement space, and and take that expertise of making and selling direct loans straight to the consumers, and teaching contractors the value of having the right credit mix and the right programs and how to integrate that into their sales process. And I've been working with home improvement contractors. Uh, ever since then, for at least a little over 20 years now.
2: Excellent. So, given this vast uh, experience that you've had, you, you've obviously seen, you know, kind of the good, bad, and the ugly of how home improvement or remodeling contractors have embraced this. Uh, what? Let, let's talk a little bit about some of those things that you've seen out there in terms of different financing vehicles and how they've been able to integrate into the offering for a home improvement contract.
0: Uh, yes. So there's a variety of different options being used out in the current marketplace. And that falls into two basic categories. One I'll call um, you know, bank financing or outsource financing, where a contractor is simply referring their customer to a local lender who, whether they realize it or not, probably has limited options available for the contractor to help get that customer the right loan product. Or the other alternative is what we call dealer-arranged financing, where the contractor identifies a finance provider like Service Finance that they believe has the best programs, products, and services, and then leverages what that finance provider has to offer financing to their customers
2: excellent so so with these different alternatives uh you know i've seen many remodelers home improvement contractors uh just assume that if they're just referring someone to a bank that they are really uh providing the client you know a quote-unquote proper financing alternative but you know, the the reality is is that that sometimes that just confuses the process more than it really helps the homeowner.
0: Correct. Banks have their certain loan programs that they're familiar with, and home impro- excuse me home improvement financing is generally not one of those. They take a customer who's looking to remodel a kitchen or uh, add on a garage or convert an attic to a second floor living area. And they view that as a traditional first or second mortgage without having the right program for that customer
2: so take an organization like Service Finance. How are your programs or how is a program uh really designed very specifically for you know that you know replacement roof or windows or siding or? you know, the, the, the bath type systems. How, how are your programs more uh, directed and, and appropriate for consumers?
0: Well, at Service Finance, we understand the contracting business. And as such, we've designed a program and a process that makes it easy for the contractor as well as for the customer. So what we do know is that time kills deals. When a customer is interested in a project, the faster we can get them the answer on the financing, the more likely they are to make a decision to move forward with that project. So we, we built a process that allows a contractor to get a customer approved within just a matter of minutes. And, and the process is one piece of the equation. The other piece of the equation is the programs. So our programs are built where we don't require any equity in the in the residence to be able to do that project and we also offer a variety of different interest rate and payment options to find the right loan program for that customer.
2: So in many ways your financing program or financing programs like you yours they became they become as much as anything an integral part of the marketing and the sales process as they do just a traditional financing tool.
0: Absolutely. And if you look at any large marketing organization, even outside as well as inside the home improvement world, you will find an organization that has seen the value of financing and how financing can make that project of the customer's dreams attractive and affordable. And integrating that concept I mean, everywhere from the customer acquisition phase, which would be their advertising methodologies, all the way through their sales process to closing at the kitchen table enhances that contractor's success, enables and also enables the customer to get the project of their dreams.
2: You know, one of the areas that I think would be interesting, Dave, to our listeners is if you even had a few Kind of uh, even even uh, stats or interesting data as a result of having these tools in the tool belt of financing in terms of you know how it how it might influence close rate how it might influence average ticket size how it might influence speed in the sales process do you have any of those uh, either experiences with your vast experience, or even data points that I think a contractor who's out there uh, c- can can really start to see the ROI of having tools like this.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So the first of all, I'll talk about the difference between having a finance program integrated into your sales process and not. In the home improvement space, we see an average benchmark of credit penetration being 40%, which means 4 out of 10 sales are done on financing. And I'll, use, I'll elaborate on dealer financing, where the contractor has offered credit terms to that customer to complete that project. Uh, and that could be a variety of different options, whether it's a low interest rate, a low payment, or some form of no interest option. For contractors who do not have this integrated for every million dollars that they finance on either a check or a credit card. Had they just had 40% of their business being financed, they would have wrote a million six or an extra $600,000. So that's the opportunity cost uh, for somebody who's not currently leveraging a finance
2: program. Excellent. Excellent. So there's obviously... A lot more volume, which is tied into uh, conversion rates, but also efficiencies. Now, just based on your experience, so I know you do a lot of training as it relates to uh, uh, the sales process and selling financing. What are some of the subtle differences between, let's say, if I'm a home improvement uh, expert selling a project to a homeowner, uh, what are some of the subtle differences between? me presenting, let's say, $10,000 worth of services versus selling it as a payment? Well, well, first of all,
0: when we look at the terms of price, the first thing that we realize is that many projects cost significantly more than what the customer thought they would cost and what the customer has budgeted for. And, and because of that, customers are less likely to move forward with the project than if offered in terms of financing. So a home improvement-specific program is geared to allow the contractor to quickly translate price into a low monthly payment. So for every $10,000 financed, it could be offered as low as $116 a month, with some programs going down as low as $71 per month, which makes it more affordable to the consumer it makes it more likely that they would say yes to themselves and move forward with the project.
2: You know, I think that what you're saying is so critical, and if, if people can truly relate this to other purchases in their life, when you talk about, let's say, purchasing an automobile or you talk about purchasing a home, it oftentimes is your monthly payment that you're caring about uh, or your mortgage payment that you're caring about, not necessarily the total price of the home and if you do have alternatives in terms of payment terms you can kind of design that payment amount to be consistent with what a client or certainly as a customer is uh, comfortable with so uh, misconceptions dave you you probably especially from the kind of the the, the virgin sort of uh, non financing home improvement contractor who doesn't offer this, they oftentimes, I'm sure, are going to have some misconceptions about this. I certainly hear some, but I'm anxious to hear with your experiences, Dave, what are some of those misunderstandings or misconceptions that you think some of the listeners or home improvement contractors might have about financing?
0: Well, I'll go into three main misconceptions I encounter. And one we've already briefly touched on, and and that's the the misconception of that every one of their customers pay cash, and therefore their customers are not interested in finance options. And what I would tell you is from our experience, we've seen these businesses that we've been able to grow at a 40% credit penetration, which is very much like markup, which translates into a a 67% growth opportunity for these businesses that have gone from just cash sales, which is checks and credit cards, to a, a mixture of cash sales with finance sales. So, misconception number one is all of my customers pay cash. And in those scenarios, the, the contractor has created a sales methodology that has captured the cash paying customer but did not provide a solution for the payment buyer or the no-interest buyer, the buyer who's looking to hold on to their cash a little bit longer. And and so that's the first misconception we have.
2: Great. How about number two?
0: Number two is for companies that that offer financing, and they may be offering some type of promotional financing that has a nominal cost to the dealer. In those cases, uh, the misconception that comes up or the biggest challenge I find is dealers not, treating that as overhead and doing dollar cost averaging and and factoring in their cost of financing into the cost of goods sold. If they don't do it that way, they ultimately, the alternative would be to treat it as a job cost, which erodes the margins in the deal and erodes the commissions in the salesperson. And the challenge with that is that when a salesperson realizes that he's going to lose a few dollars in his commission, he then doesn't want to offer financing until it's The end of the sales process where he hasn't been able to close it thus far. And at that point, he's missed the opportunity to make the project attractive and affordable. So, not dollar cost averaging it and treating all jobs the same, regardless of how the customer finances, would be the second biggest missed opportunity in the marketplace.
2: You know, I think that's a really, really interesting one because I think most people look at the cost of getting it financed, not necessarily that it needs to be kind of built into the overall overhead of the business more than just the project. So that's a very interesting way to look at it. What's number three, Dave?
0: The number three, uh, my number three uh, biggest misconceptions I see is contractors backing off on advertising and promotional finance usage when times get tough. And, you know, when they're struggling from a competitive standpoint, they're looking to save money. The two things I see them do, pull back on their advertising and pull back on the credit promotional usage, which saves them a little bit of dollars, but they miss the sales opportunity. And when you look at the major movers and shakers in the industry, they do the opposite. When times get tough, they double down on financing and they double down on advertising, and that's what
2: gets them. Cycles. Excellent. So, if we're kind of boiling this down, and you look out at kind of the the universe of all the contractors and home improvement specialists out there, uh, if you had to say, you know, what are a couple keys to success that if if you if you did want to launch financing, or you wanted to take your financing and see kind of the levels of ROI that you're talking about, what would be a couple of those keys to success?
0: Well I think number one is identifying your customer base and what drives them and motivates them. The second aspect would be developing the right promotional finance net that appeals to their payment perspectives, to their interest rates beliefs, and then their no interest desires. And then ultimately building it into the sales process where they're talking about the finance options and talking in terms of monthly payments uh, at everywhere from customer acquisition all the way through to the close of the kitchen table.
2: Excellent. Well, I would strongly encourage, and I've, you've certainly heard this from me uh, on this uh, podcast series many times, that the lessons learned, I think, from, other businesses, other industries from specialty remodeling to full-service remodeling and integrating in the language of financing. Uh, For those of you that would like to reach out to my guest today, Dave Anderson, uh, you can do so through Service Finance. Service Finance is one of the leading consumer financing groups that work with contractors and dealers setting up you know, programs that are very specific to those that really are adding tools to your tool belt to help you take your game to the next level. So, again, Dave, thank you so much for uh, joining me today and uh, look forward to uh, continued success. Thank you very much for your time, Mark.
0: If you like what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available in all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.